Hello, I'm Matt. And I'm Jane. And welcome to Hank, a podcast about food and drink in Cardiff. So we are here at uh, Dusty Knuckle at the Print House in Canton to talk to Phil Lewis, who is the uh, founder, head chef, the the doer of all things. We've come to talk to him about the trip that he did last year to Italy um, in the name of Slow Food. Um, I won't go into any more detail because I'll let him explain for you. So um, when was it? Was it last April? February, February February. 2017, yeah. Seems like a long, long time ago. And so what did you do all together? We wanted to raise the profile up with this crazy concept of trading our way to Naples using uh, only pizza as currency. So we started in Cardiff, February the 1st, uh, chose the warm months for it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lovely with holiday. Just, uh, yeah, exactly. With just a, uh, a sack, of, sack of flour. Um, a case of tomatoes and a box of cheese, effectively. And Italy had actually donated 10 kilos of pepperoni, I think it was, <laughs> to the cause as well. So we started here, and obviously the only pizzas we could put on were margarita and pepperoni, because that's yeah. the only ingredient we had. Uh, and we had a massive turnout, and it was great, and that gave us enough money to move on. Uh, and, and that's how we did it. We, we sold pizzas to move on to the next place, and we made it our kind of goal to stop at small artisan producers or producers who were following the same principles of slow food mm. not necessarily members of slow food but because it's still not big enough to have that huge yeah. network of me- yeah. members but we're kind of like you but so we're into it exactly without even, without even knowing about it yeah. or perhaps you know not subscribing officially to it or whatever yeah. so um, were these people you kind of pre-planned to go and visit or was it literally kind of finding cool bit of interesting both. people along we, the way? we started off pre-planning um so we went from Cardiff to Bristol, we traded in Bristol and then went up to Gloucester to visit a guy called Jonathan Crump who's making single Gloucester, um, this incredible product using you know Gloucester cows, old Gloucester cows um, and I'm just incredibly passionate about what he does and the reason you know he struck a chord with us is because it's a pretty they're pretty low yield animals, it's mm. not mass, you can't ever mass manufacture yeah. a, a single Gloucester. Um, uh, and it kind of struck again it, it, it resonated with us it resonated with what we were doing and this guy obviously has to love what he's doing otherwise yeah. he wouldn't be doing it he's never going to make millions of pounds yeah. from it yeah. he's never going to go into mass production it is real small scale so we went to visit him bought a load of his cheese from him with what we'd made in Bristol uh, and then put that on the menu in Oxford uh, and so our menu adapted to whatever yeah. produce we could get on the way but obviously not stopping at supermarkets or wholesalers to buy it. What sort of um, venues were you? Random. Him? So Bristol was Harborside Market, Oxford was the Star Inn pub outside, uh, Brighton was interesting, it turned out to be on a pavement uh, <laughs> without a licence uh, and yeah next to a brew dog. Um, London was Maltby Street Market which was amazing, they let us have a pitch there just for the day to, um, and that was crazy. Uh, yeah, so, but then, so there were some that were already planned and then yeah. some that organically grew. So it's quite, it was quite funny. We were driving from, I mean, part of this was to raise money as well for food education yeah. under the Slow Food International banner. Um, and so we couldn't, or we didn't want to spend any money on ourselves. We really had to spend the bare minimum mm. on ourselves because obviously the more money we took from it, the less we were giving. Um, so we were relying heavily on people giving us sofa space or yeah. um, camping. In February, 
uh, or just people giving us food as well. So people would just give us random food, and somebody gave us a couple of apples from Asda, and we were eating these abs- <laughs> a- apples on the way to on, on the way to Maltby Street. Literally, like just driving through London, towing this oven, eating this apple, commenting on how utterly tasteless this this mass-produced piece of crap apple was, <laughs> and how it's a no wonder that kids are you know tucking into a yeah. Mars bar because there's no flavour to this at yeah. all. And weirdly, when we got there, we were pitched next to a stall selling apples and pears. And it was Bramble Thai Fruit Farm, this biodynamic farm in uh, East Sussex. And as soon as we got there, we hadn't met these guys before, never said anything. We didn't have the Asda apple in our hands at the time. This had gone. They said, hi guys, nice to meet you, have an apple. And we were like, that's weird. So, but, so we've gone from this this bland, watery apple and then took a bite out of this yeah. you know, explosion of flavour and just thought, this is exactly what we're talking, talking about. about yeah. This is exactly why we're here. So uh, the guy that was at Maltby Street Market was actually selling on behalf of, he was like a, a you know, he was buying from Brambletie and selling at Maltby Street. So we got in touch with Brambletie then and went to visit them, and run by a crazy Dutchman who made me climb fruit boxes in his barn to get some apple wood that had been drying for two years <laughs> free climbing about 150 foot up this bloody <laughs> these massive crates it was terrifying um but yeah it, i mean it was amazing they kind of took us in and fed us lunch and yeah. then we had a walk around their their farm and they showed us what they were they were doing uh, they gave us <laughs> which was interesting at customs they then gave us this log of uh oyster mushrooms but it was it was it, it was just the spores in this yeah. log with a few oyster mushrooms coming out, and he's basically said, "Put this on your dashboard, and then by the time you get to like the south of France, you'll be able to pick your own oyster mushrooms." Well, this is brilliant, but of course yeah. we had this massive log that looked very odd. It was a, it, a plastic <laughs> plastic bag with holes in and all this mulch inside, and these little mushrooms growing out <laughs> and getting searched in customs and trying to explain to French customs what this what this log was. Did it work? Yeah, they didn't take it off us anyway. And you got oyster mushrooms off it? Yeah. Did you? Well, funny enough, we didn't on the whole trip and we just thought, ah, we've killed it. It was so cold. So by the time we got to, you know, the Alps, it was like minus five, minus six, whatever it was. Um, Nothing's going to grow in this, even in the front of the car. Um, But we kept, we ended up like putting it in a box and leaving it. Uh, And then when I got home, three and a half, four weeks later, I chucked it in the garage thinking I need to throw that out and yeah. about a week later I had this huge crop of oyster <laughs> mushrooms That's awesome. yeah it was brilliant it was like oh my god these are the oyster mushrooms yeah. <laughs> um, but they were amazing and they gave us like sacks the best pears I've ever eaten in my life the worst cider I've ever drunk in my life he was, <laughs> he was experimenting with it and hadn't quite nailed it uh, <laughs> but but he just gave us sacks of like food to take with us and so that it was really organic yeah. um, once we'd done the initial part uh, and we got over to France, um, uh, and the only the only place we planned to be in France was Calais. So we went and cooked for uh, the volunteers who were working with the refugees in the jungle. Uh, the jungle at this point had been shut down, yeah. but they, or they'd just been displaced yeah. You know, yeah. 20 miles down the road. Um, so we turned up then on this lunchtime in, uh, in Calais. We didn't know exactly where it was. They didn't tell us exactly where the warehouse was. Uh, until we got there and then they rang us and they gave us directions to get there Um, and just started cooking for these volunteers which they were so grateful because every day they eat what they're giving refugees 
so invariably it's, it's rice and dal and, mm. and some form of curry. So they were so grateful to get pizza. They were like, oh my God, <laughs> this is amazing. Uh, and the most humbling part, I think, was that we were obviously there making money or trying to earn as much money as possible mm. for a cause that we believe strongly in. But then we're working with volunteers who are there earning no money at all, living off next to nothing, working for a cause that they strongly yeah. you know, mm. believe in. So we were like, well, where do we stand giving away our ingredients that we've worked hard yeah. for, for a, and which means we then have to spend more money on taking money from our cause. But you know, we, you could argue that that's a real humanitarian crisis yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, slow yeah. food potentially isn't, yeah. although <laughs> in some countries it, it really is. Um, so we just put up a sign, rather than charge, we just put up a sign explaining what we did and just said, look, we yeah. don't expect you to give anything, but if like you've got a couple of quid, then yeah. throw it in. Yeah. And we got so much money from that, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Probably more than we had on the whole, From any single stop uh, selling it? in other places. Yeah. yeah, it was really nice. Um, and that was, the, it was we, we, were, we got caught up there a little bit, because it's, I don't know if you've ever been, but it's quite a, a spectacular environment, and the setup is incredible. But you can see, you know, most volunteers are there. Most people we spoke to were there. They'd come for a week, and they were there sort of three months later, yeah. four months later. Wow. And because we didn't have a specific time scale or a specific plan, and we didn't have anywhere in France to be, mm. we had a date two and a half weeks away in Italy. We had to be somewhere. Um, it it was really easy to get caught up and go. We'll just because after Stay we cook, after we cooked lunch, we then went and helped cook dinner in the yeah. ki- in the refugee kitchen. Yeah. Um, and then they, these guys are put up in caravans. Uh, so some of them put us up in their caravan. So we went and stayed there the night. Then went back and helped cook breakfast and lunch. And then we were like, hang on a minute. We could really easily stay here yeah. for weeks. Yeah. We yeah. need to, even though we haven't got a plan, we need Move to get on. out. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's the kind of place where there's always stuff to be they're done. Always. always. And they've always got people. I mean, they're fortunate. They've always got people there. But the astonishing amount of media, even after the event. You know, mm. there's just so many. They must get so bored of journalists turning yeah. up. Yeah. Um, same questions. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we then didn't have much luck in France. We chased the rainbow for a while. Right. Uh, drove around. We ended up heading straight into Italy. Um, Obviously, we, it took us about three days. So yeah. We were camping in the Alps, yeah. uh, minus, in five minus five or something. Yeah, that was good fun. Um, and eating portable oven with you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 did quick. Uh, and eating cabbage and cheese because we didn't want to spend oh, too much money. No. And, uh, yeah, it was good fun. How many of you were there? Two of us. Two. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if I'm waffling on too much now, but then we went down into Italy, and then kind of every, at this point, it was really weird. Uh, it was a really a weird experience because it was very isolated. I, I worked for homelessness in homelessness for 10, 15 years or whatever it was. And people often talk about social exclusion and mm. what it feels like and to be homeless and um, how, even though you know you might be sleeping rough in the centre of Cardiff, surrounded by thousands, yeah. tens of thousands yeah, of people, yeah, yeah. it's very, um, yeah, it, it's very isolating. Um, and it's difficult to appreciate even working in the field for so many years. And I'm not saying we experienced that, mm. but that sense of isolation in a country full of, you know, millions of people, mm. but no one understanding or caring why you're there yeah. <laughs> with no money and yeah. just 
just enough to drive down to where we had to yeah. get to. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'd have thought once you got to France, you'd have people would have got it and understood it and, yeah, and no, maybe kind of recognised the slow food. Was that different then? No. Once you got you to know, Italy, the only place that people recognised slow food in the UK was Bristol and London. Yeah. Few people in London, quite a lot in Bristol. No surprise. Um, but otherwise, UK was like no one had ever yeah. heard of it, and we and we spoke to you know thousands of people along the way, which was yeah. great. We had a sign up explaining mm-hmm. what we were doing, and we spoke a great deal about why we were doing it. France, non-existent. I mean, we didn't speak to that many as yeah. many people. Yeah. Um, I can speak French, so it wasn't so much a huge language barrier. It was just a lack of interest in us, <laughs> probably. Yeah. You know, there yeah. was they they didn't know why we were there, so they weren't really interested in talking to us. Um, uh, and then when we got into Italy, I mean, the birthplace of slow yeah. food it is a way of life. You don't you don't have to talk about it because it's actually inherent yeah. in every single thing they do. Yeah. Um, and their 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 way of life and, and and what they what they do every single day. Mm. Um, so we drove down. I'd cut a long story short. We we started trade. We had set up because slow food is so rife there. We had managed to establish. Um, some places to trade yeah. through the slow food network before we left, um, which was great. We went that we when we got to Liguria uh, and then got got a phone call, no, an email, I think it was from uh, one of the guys that was sorting it out for us called Giuseppe, a really nice guy uh, who's the president of Slow Food for Siena, um, basically saying that. That the AVPN, who are the Veras Pizza Napolitana, the kind of pizza police in Naples, have got wind of what we were doing and they want to see us. <laughs> They're oh, like, uh oh. Right. <laughs> <Pizza police. laughs> They're kind of like the protect. Yeah. It, it, it was really interesting. But anyway, so yeah, <laughs> so uh, we, we, we'd kind of been summoned that when we made it to Naples, <laughs> yeah. we were to present ourselves to the AVPN and, um, and we pulled up with this battered pizza oven, having been sleeping in tents and occasional Airbnbs actually when they yeah. were cheap enough. Uh, for three weeks, looking pretty knackered and slippery, dishevelled, uh, uh, to be met by the president of the AVPN and kind of grilled for quite a few hours about what we were doing, why we were doing it. Um, we cooked for them; they wanted us to show them what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, and because they protect the culture of that style yeah. of pizza, they yeah. wanted to make sure that we weren't taking this taking the stage because at this point we've been covered in La Repubblica which is you know a, yeah. a, a national Italian newspaper and allegedly although I'd never seen it been on it reported on national news or on some sort of TV channel <laughs> and on national radio so they got wind of it by going hang on who are these people rep- yeah. purporting to be and is there selling Neapolitan yeah. pizza <laughs> yeah. uh, in our country yeah. coming from Wales uh, and thankfully, it, it went well, and they invited us to stay for like four days, five days, um, and we did stay for four, uh, and they made us like friends of the AVPN, they made Dusty Knuckle friends of the AVPN, oh, yeah. which was amazing, and we are in the process of being accredited by them as well, so uh, it, yeah, it was incredible, um, but they were just lovely, lovely people, and then, again, in terms of what we were doing, and, and I was constantly, and we, me and Tom, the guy who came with us, were constantly having this debate. When you're doing something for charity, you've got to justify everything you do. Mm. So is it right that we're spending four days in Naples? You know, we spent three weeks getting here, fine. Yeah. But should we be now? Be, and we did, we didn't camp. We, <laughs> wouldn't go, we did have an Airbnb. So we were trying to kind of discover the relevance, even though you know, the whole project was to make it to Naples. Mm. Um, 
we felt like we we should have touched the sign and turned around and gone back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. that's what Flanted we should be flag. doing. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out that the AVPN was set up in the same year as Slow Food, and they work really closely together. And effectively, right. what they do is exactly the same for pizza and for Naples mm. as Slow Food does for food generally. General, mm. yeah. So they protect its culture and they try and develop it and share the share the knowledge and mm. and and why we should be using specific flowers or specific products because the, the products that they um, accredit or approve mm. follow exactly the same principles as slow food. So yeah. we figured out that actually yeah. this is perfect. <laughs> this, is, this is kind of, again, hones in on our skill yes. under yeah. the slow food banner. Yeah. So we learnt huge amounts in terms of the organisation. So what have, you, what have you brought back from that in well, terms of how has it changed the way you, you cook well, or I think, source for the I restaurant? Think what, we always we were always very careful about what we sourced. We 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 always had really high end product, so we'd use uh, Striannese Samazano tomatoes. Um, but what we learned a lot about going over there was things like the Agromafia, um, which is really fascinating and very scary and sad uh, at the same time. But the Agromafia basically is it, the, the mafia make a huge, extraordinary amount of money out of food fraud um, right. so some Samazano tomatoes big tins of Samazano tomatoes aren't, aren't necessarily yeah. you know uh. exclusively Samazano yeah. tomatoes I mean the one that's most commonly known is the olive oil kind of scandal mm-hmm. they say that they reckon in the states 70% of what's on the shelves isn't actually olive oil it's cut with other oils Wow. and in Italy they actually have um, police trained to taste olive oil um, so they go in and raid places and taste yeah. olive oil to check if it's actually what a job, eh? That is awesome. <laughs> no. so, that is awesome. so we learned a lot about. I don't that do shoplifting. I do olive oil fraud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Food fraud. <laughs> it would be a great like cop show. Yeah. <laughs> like a, a, a Danish cop show. Yeah. <laughs> a real surly, sulky uh, Wallander tasting <laughs> olive oil and tomatoes around the country. Um, but yeah, so things like that was a real education. Um, and we'd already, you know, I'd learned quite a bit from the Slow Food World Food Festival, um, mm-hmm. Salon de Gusto, which yeah. was in Turin every two years, this October, no, this September, sorry, and the, the September before yeah. I, I, le- I left. Um, so we just started to become a bit more savvy that actually we can turn to the AVPN and we can turn to our Slow Food Network friends mm-hmm. in Italy because it is one big community. Yeah. Um, and kind of check in about certain products or yeah. get them to recommend certain products. So it's almost like you're not trying to do it on your own anymore. You've got a bit of a yeah. network I, I, behind well, you. And, and you. sourcing. I mean, sourcing ingredients is one of the most difficult things yeah. I've found. Finding proper suppliers. And we're still battling with it. And, mm. you know, you have people like uh, Chicoutier that you've got really reliable and an amazing product. And, we, and then, you know, he's obviously taking a break. And mm. so we've now I'm now in a position where I have to find some other sources and I'm back to that kind of oh who do I trust and so it, it just kind of breeds that security and what you're getting yeah, yeah. Um, so th- you know the cheeses we're getting now do come from Italy uh, whereas I couldn't get fresh cheese from Italy before they're very protective of it yeah. <laughs> part of the family now yeah. uh, just the cheese please just the, yeah I haven't met them yet <laughs> but I tell you what we did do is we, we had this great experience where we went to this little village called Tiano after we got to Naples uh, we thought we could make some more money on the way back, which we, we'd mm. had a couple set up. So north of Naples is a place called Tiano, uh, and it was um, we'd set up outside this bistro, 
but we knew no one mm. we'd just been told to turn up there and turned up there and when we got there this guy was trying to rip me out of the car just shouting random Italian stuff at me and we were kind of starting to resist and he was getting more and more aggressive with it and that went on for a while long story short <laughs> turns out he was putting us up for the night uh, and he was just okay, absolutely nice. bonkers um, <laughs> but he was like this 70 year old bloke strong as an ox just going come on get in my car I'll take you and I'm like what no you're not take taking you me anywhere <laughs> what are you talking about um, <laughs> uh, but as it turned out he had this flat in Tiano in this little yeah. town uh, which was completely empty. Uh, he lived on a farm, and he was taking us around the corner to his flat once we had someone there to translate. Um, and he opened his boot, and like, inside his boot was all this produce, uh, tomatoes that he wanted me to use on the pizza, salami, bread, cheese, like this incredible pecorinos, olive oil, everything he'd made on his right. farm like down the road. And we sat there and feasted on one yeah. of the best meals of our lives <laughs> in this flat in Tiana. But so we traded, and then the next day we were told to be on the square at 10 a.m. to meet a guy called Roberto. At the end of the night, we were just told that by some random. We were like, Well, <laughs> what for? Oh, Roberto wants to take you somewhere. Well, I where does he want to take yeah. us? Oh, don't worry, meet Roberto. This is definitely a cop show. And we're like, What? <laughs> so, but stupidly, we get up in the morning going, oh, We've got to go meet Roberto. Then. <laughs> <laughs> we've been told. So we get up and go and meet Roberto, uh, and we've got the trailer, we've got our car, and he turns up in this Land Rover, and he's got this big kind of water tank or something in the back and this woman who was allegedly the translator but not speaking to us at all uh, and so we turn up and he just said follow me and we went oh should we leave the trailer here so that when we drive back we'll pick up no bring the trailer or we don't really want to drive it miles out of the way bring the trailer okay we'll bring the trailer uh, so we got hook up follow this guy for about I don't know 20 minutes back the direction we, we the opposite direction of where we wanted to go effectively yeah. after the whatever we were doing had happened and he took us into this big yard and it was an empty kind of warehouse semi-empty warehouse uh, that it, it was a, the yard was locked he got out and locked the gate drove through signaled us through we were in the middle of nowhere yeah. just this huge <laughs> warehouse gated warehouse we're like what is this <laughs> and the only words that this guy had spoken was mafia the only words apart from follow me mafia and we're like what <laughs> we don't understand yeah. are you set what <laughs> Follow me, the mafia are coming. Follow me, quick. Uh, follow me, you're now with the mafia. What? What? Um, so we, we, but we duly did for fear, and uh, they took us into this big warehouse, where he wanted me. So yeah, we pulled around the back of this warehouse, and there we were miles away from the sea. There on blocks were these huge James Bond style speedboats. We're like, what is going on? This is getting more and more weird. Why would there be speedboats in the yeah. middle of nowhere? Uh, and then he opened up this uh, warehouse and got us to reverse the car and the trailer into the warehouse. Right. And we reversed it in. And then he pulled this water tank out of the back and he said, come on, you're coming with us. And we're like, well, well she, she at this point decided yeah. to talk. Come on, you're coming with us. And we're like, mm, this is getting a bit weird. At this point, I'd opened my phone and dropped a pin yeah. on a map ready to text my wife to go this was where we last were <laughs> you know yeah. it was proper like this is and you're on your own and you're getting a bit paranoid and uh, so he goes in and he lifts the back seat and on the back seat is a massive and this is I couldn't make this up a huge machete just lying on the back sheet, seat and he's like get in I'm like no we're not getting no this is gone you know if yeah. you're going to do something you've got to do it now because I'm not going to yeah. be what on earth are you doing and the and the, and the 
the woman on the, in the passenger seat, the translator, turned to me and said, it's okay, we're going to kill you, and started laughing. What? Yeah. What? I had one of these when I went to Morocco, and they think it puts you at ease because they're joking about it, and you're like, this is not making anything any better. It was, it was horrendous. I mean, like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so I'm about to send the text. Yeah. So there we go, have that. Um, and then she laughed and said, no, come on, get in. So we got in, and on the way... We then pull out of this yard, this warehouse, and back on the road. And the guy who's driving turns around and says, "So what are you doing here?" I'm like, "What you don't, you don't know what we're doing here." No. I'm like, "Why? Why are we in your car, driving to nowhere, having now just hijacked my car and trailer, and you don't even know why we're here?" Um, And so we start explaining, and so it's he goes, "Ah, now it all makes sense." I go, "What makes sense?" This guy ran an organisation called Libera. And it couldn't have been the more opposite of what we were thinking. <laughs> he uh, works for an organisation, who, who Libera, who work with local governments to put um, seized mafia assets to good use. Oh, wow. Oh. So he was taking us to a Which dairy. is what the speedboats were. Yeah. Well, presumably. I d- I'd never found that out, actually. I just said, are they yours? And he said, ha-ha, I wish. Um, <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cheers. <laughs> so, yeah, after lots and lots of... Yeah, nervousness, <laughs> to put it politely, and miscommunication. We got to the bottom of it, and and he'd been asked to take us by the slow food organisation just because it tied in with everything we were doing, yeah. and and was really really fascinating. So he took us to this um, this old mafia boss's house that had been seized with stables, and you know it was an incredible house, uh, and still bullet holes down the wall wow. and that kind of stuff, uh, and they'd. Um, turned the outhouses into a big dairy social enterprise uh, teaching people with learning difficulties to make mozzarella and it was like this is amazing <laughs> and, you're and a nice man so, really yeah, this is really <laughs> incredible place we're not dead. why did you have a machete <laughs> yeah. what is wrong with you it was apparently a gift uh, from some South American friend oh that needed to be uh, on the back seat yeah why did you leave it there <laughs> um but it, it was just fascinating, and they work across Italy, just working with local government season. But again, for me anyway, and maybe it was my ignorance, but it, it the sensationalisation of things like the mafia mm. through films and stuff makes it feel very unreal. Yeah. But it's a real thing yeah. <laughs> that isn't as dramatic yeah. maybe as The Godfather. But you know, it's uh, yeah, it, it's people are living with it every day there. Um, so, your question. I don't know if that answered it, but yeah. So just, just a kind of awareness. What did you bring back? <laughs> and you found appreciation of, of the mafia. <laughs> there were a few. There were a few things. There was, there were there were a few reasons or a few justifications for the trip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> saying to my wife, "I'm leaving you with the kids for three and a half weeks," but this is why. <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, not a holiday. Yeah, it's not a holiday. Uh, so there were a few. I mean, there was the, the main one was about an awareness raising thing. You know, it was just about getting that message um, across to pe- as many people as we could and doing playing what I perceived to be our part in in that. Um, secondly, we were using it to launch our own community initiative on the back of it. So we now do. We committed on the back of that to doing at least once a monthly, once monthly. We committed to doing monthly uh, community initiatives, so any community that wants us, um, any community group or anyone really that wants a school community group, we've done quite a lot with housing organisations that want us, we will go in 
to wherever they are, or they can come here, and we use the process of making pizza to engage people about talking about food mm. and, where it comes um, from and, and where it comes from and continuing that kind of message yeah, really yeah. yeah so that was nice that was the second kind of reason to do it um, uh, and thirdly I mean it was a great experience yeah. for us there's no hiding away from it you know it was <laughs> it was an amazing experience we met some incredible people and it, it's no doubt done our business wonders not necessarily just from a you know we got some PR out of it we yeah, got yeah. some pu publicity out of it but just from knowing you know like I said before just meeting people and understanding suppliers a little bit more and I met so many of the suppliers that we now have even the ones from Italy so I can confidently say that 90% yeah. of the you know the people on our suppliers on our menu I've personally met and yeah and I guess and if anybody challenges you or you know it's not lip service you can answer no, anything yeah. people chuck at you with yeah. you know more yeah. Yeah, I met the guy who makes the cheese, or I met yeah. the guy who yeah. makes the flour. And, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's great for the stories you can tell when people are eating with you as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a great... People love a story. Yeah. <laughs> they don't necessarily love it when they're halfway through their pizza, and I'm still there waffling <laughs> <that. laughs> Can we finish? Get it? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> uh, I think that's probably a good point to finish. Um, <laughs> <Wow>. Please. <laughs> Let brilliant. me eat my bloody pizza. <laughs> well, thanks ever so much. No worries. Thank you for listening to Hank Episode Zero. We hope you've enjoyed it. Just a little reminder, now would be a great time to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. Thanks and see you soon.